0: All right, well, praise the Lord, Uh, it's good to see you here this morning. Let me be an encouragement to you who are normally here, if you look around and see someone you don't know, I want to encourage you uh, here after the service, just go introduce yourself, welcome them. Um, So uh, it might be that they're uh, just here visiting, or it might be that they're Home from college, or uh, we've got a couple of those here today. Home from college, and there there'll be more to come. But and maybe there's someone here looking for a, a church home. Just uh, uh, welcome them and introduce yourself. What a what a blessed time we have uh, being able to celebrate the gift of God. I want to just. Keep saying it's the gift of God at Christmas time. We give thanks to God for sending us his son. Last week, uh, Pastor Brennan uh, talked about the, the many prophecies in scripture that lead up to the coming of the gift of God. And we could sum it up from last week's time. It's uh, that the gift of God was perfectly prophesied, okay? Perfectly prophesied. It's amazing. I don't know how people uh, continue to deny uh, Jesus Christ, you know, with what's given in the word of God. But I I'm, I know that many of them turn and say, well, it's the Bible. You know, it was written by disciples. It's really biased, by the way. And uh, little do they know all the other details of it, that this wasn't written in a committee room. It's not like uh, all the disciples and all the prophets, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, got together in a room and say, okay, here we go. Let's write it out. You write this, you write this, you write this, you write this. Didn't happen that way. Happened over hundreds, thousands of years, and thus we have the Word of God, okay? And so that's what last week was about, perfectly prophesied. And to get started this morning, I think it's very appropriate that we say this together. It's a a, a phrase from Psalm 18. As for God... (laughs) Okay, ready? As for God, God, His way is perfect. perfect. As for God, God, His way is perfect. perfect. Don't forget it. (laughs) Don't forget it. Okay? Young people, I wish I would have known that when I was young. So, treasure that in your heart. As for God, his way is perfect. Now, it doesn't say, as for God, we understand everything about Him. It doesn't, doesn't say that. As for God, His way is perfect. We might say that later on today, too. So, no matter what the culture tells us, no matter what the circumstances are as God's people, we will always remember this time, Christmas, as a time of celebration, of remembering when God sent His gift to mankind. So for our time this morning, I'd like us to consider, and there is an outline in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along, I'd like to have us consider the five, these five facets of God's perfect gift. Five facets of God's perfect gift. Okay? So we're getting at this issue. Thanks be to God for sending us His Son, the perfect gift. And it's not just one passage that we're going to be looking at. It's a lot. And I don't have one passage that I'm just going to be dwelling in here today and that we're going to be looking at over and over again. We're going to jump all over the Bible. Not on it literally, but obviously, you know, look at various various verses. Okay? So... From various passages, we see God's gift of salvation to mankind as being, number one, perfectly timed. It kind of relates to what Pastor Brendan was talking about last week. But this takes it into, here's when it happened. Here's how it happened. Perfectly timed. Okay, let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And verses one through seven, again familiar writing and reading for us. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. So that was done, okay. And it was here. Here it is. It was done in a. What we believe and understand is in a sovereign way, in a orchestrated way, not just random. God orchestrates this. And thus what happens? Oh, there's that little couple coming down from the north, heading down, slowly making it because uh, Mary's great with child, right? Moving down into the area of Jerusalem and beyond Jerusalem to the little unknown place of Bethlehem. okay? Perfectly timed in the aspect of the conception when, when the dream when the, the vision came to Mary the, and, and they said, you're going to be with child and the child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. All right that's the incarnation right and a lot of these things you and i are familiar with and that's okay we want to reinforce it we want to repeat it again and again this is god coming and coming by way of the natural birth it's there's the child within the womb of mary and there's a real birth okay so perfectly timed Perfectly delivered. Maybe it wasn't, you know, women, I I have no idea. You do that have had children, you know. Here's the labor. But there it is. Perfectly delivered. The baby Jesus. And so, added in is really cool also. That added in here is the presence of the angelic chorus. Hallelujah is being raised up being verbalized, hallelujah. And the shepherds come, and later on the wise men. All coming as worshiping Christ, adoring Christ. Demonstrating the proper approach to our Savior and Lord. All bowing in awe and wonder and adoration. Praise be unto God for His gift. Praise be to God for a perfect example of worshiping Christ, right? They came and they brought gifts. They, they bowed down. They worshiped Him. What a great example that is. Also, let's turn. Here's another issue uh, behind this business of perfectly timed. Let's go to Galatians four. Galatians chapter four. Go through Acts, then Romans, first and second Corinthians. And then Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. So it tells us of a specific timing. When the fullness of time had come, this timing again. What we all we can say is here's here's God ordaining this. God orchestrates it. God ordains this. Here's the time, and it wasn't by chance. Well, it's, you know, a lot of us still think in terms of good luck, randomness, those kind of things. This is not that way. This is not. Oh, God saying, I ah, finally got it. No, this is ordained. When the fullness of time had come, it wasn't ahead of schedule, it wasn't behind schedule. The world, though unaware, was providentially ready for the Messiah. Um, if you were to go back in, in that day and age, that, the history of it, there were all sorts of uh, Roman roads that had been established. Interesting. Interesting. Why was it right at that time? Well, here's what we understand is more uh availability to get into different places, get into different towns. Okay. It was ready politically. It was ready culturally. It was ready religiously. The time had come. Here's the Messiah. Okay? And also with, you know, the issue of the, the Greek language being the common Greek language. That was what was normal and, and they were, you know, speaking in the common Greek language. And so, the earth stage, the world stage was all set for the greatest event in history. Again, young people, this is the greatest event in world history. And that's what we want to understand is that it is not just some cool guy that knew how to say things that caught everyone's attention. No, this is God in the flesh. God sent forth His Son. Right there, what we have in Galatians 4, that's a statement of deity. God sent forth His Son. That's getting at the fact that He's not just a... A cool guy or a a great teacher, great prophet. No, this is God. Why do I say that? In John, it it talks about how he was claiming God as his father and the Jews turned around and said, hey, you're claiming to be, you're claiming to be God by claiming God as your father. John chapter five, okay? You can look at that. But he sent forth his son To be, what? Born of a woman. Just like every baby born. Right? With one exception. No earthly father. Get that in your brain. No earthly father. But a heavenly father. Here's the conception again. It's of the Holy Spirit. Alright? And then, the other statement. Born under the law. Just like every person alive. You can't just uh, uh, come uh, with your own set of rules. You're born under the law. Isn't it amazing? The law that most of society uses is God's law. <laughs> Our country founded on the understanding and the principles of God's law. And so it's... He's sent forth as God's son. He's born of a woman, born under the law, so that, here's the purpose, so that you and I might be redeemed. And some of you are here this morning, you're not redeemed. And you're banking on your good efforts with God, or your good works, or being a good person, whatever it might be. That's wrong. That's going to lead you to destruction. That'll lead you to an eternity without God called hell. And that's what we want to do is in proclaiming the Christmas message, we want to make sure people don't just figure that, oh, they're a good person. No, but God puts forth, here it is. What are you going to do with my son, the perfect gift? What will you do? So we needed to be redeemed. And it's amazing The perfect gift was sent to save us, to rescue us, to bring us back into God's family as adopted sons. That's what he says here, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When all the while, in your heart and in my heart, and in the hearts of everyone born, we were rebels with God, against God. Rebels against His way. We were guilty. We were enemies, guilty of sin against a perfect and holy God. And God came up with the answer. God came up with the Perfect gift. Okay, so that's perfectly timed. Number two, perfectly displayed. Perfectly displayed. John's Gospel proclaims the uh, the incarnation of Christ. John chapter 1 verse 14. You know it. We know it. And the Word became, okay, there you go. God, that's the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God taking and wrapping himself in human flesh. There's the present. There's the perfect present. Okay? And we beheld his glory. As of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. God came down, wrapped in human flesh. God came down, He dwelt among us, and we, the disciples, beheld His glory. What was that? His, His words and His works. Everything about Him. Okay? And so, what's on display is the life of Christ. He's perfectly human and perfectly God. That's the, that's the quandary that we're in. That's the, it's just profound. Perfectly human. You cut him, he bleeds. He, he doesn't sleep, he gets tired. All that. He, he doesn't have water, he gets thirsty. All that. That's Christ. And we need to point that out. That might seem basic or elementary, but we need to point that out. Why? Because he ends up really dying. We'll get to that in a moment. Really dying. So, but here, he's on display. And then in John uh, fourteen, 1, 14, it says that we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of what? Full of grace and truth. Here's the display of God in the body. Full of grace and truth. You know what? That's a beautiful balance and symmetry like no one else. Why? Because no one else is full of grace and full of truth. No one else was. You and I weren't. And the only way we can say we've got some grace and some truth is because of him and his grace to us. It's not because of who you are in your heart and, and whatever. No, it's because of his doing, his standing that we have, you know, anything that we can boast of. So, that's the beauty of Christ and his character, right? It's no one but Jesus, the perfect gift of God. And throughout his earthly life, it is evident. It's evident in how we see it. So, continuing on with the perfect display of the perfect gift, when he turns 12 years old, uh, his family comes down to Jerusalem, right? And he kind of escapes mom and dad. <laughs> what happens? He, you know, they find him finally after three days and, and he says to them, don't you know I was supposed to be about my father's business? At 12 years old, right? I guess we could, if we had it all in the record, in the scriptures, we could keep saying at 13. Here's at 14, 15, 16, 17. All the way up to year 30. Now year 30, adult man. Here he is in ministry. And what happens? John the baptizer gave record of him, being a witness to him. Called out what? When he saw him. John 1.29. You can mark that down if it's not already there. John 1.29 says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What a proclamation okay and then he baptizes him in the in the Jordan river okay all that was really wasn't so that he he had to be baptized cuz cuz he had to confess his sins no that was he was associating with mankind with being a human he had no sin to confess stop and think of that Jesus never said, "Please forgive me." Jesus never said, "Oh, I'm sorry. I know we're kind of going on what's not there. I realize that." But he didn't. um, He didn't say to his disciples, "Hey, please pray for me." He, he, when he was in the garden, what did he say? He said, "Watch and pray." He was. He was not in that boat like we are. And yet he came and through suffering, he was, you know, this this process of his suffering was perfected. It's amazing. So here he is, this this um, this issue of John, the baptizer, who gave witness to him. Then at that moment, you remember, once he was baptized, what happened? John, the Baptist heard the voice from heaven saying what? This is my beloved Son, with whom in you I am well pleased. And not only there, but on the Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew 17. Here's another affirmation from heaven. Saying, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then God says from heaven, listen to Him. I think that was maybe for Peter. (laughs) And then, I know I can jump in on that and say, it was also for me. Don't listen to anyone else. Here's the one and the only. Listen to Him. Okay? So through the written revelation of Scripture, we see His life. His one perfect life on display, even with His temptation in the wilderness. Right? He kept saying, but it is written. It is written. It's how we see Him ministering to the needy, the sick, the hurting, even raising people from the dead. We saw it in how, here he is on display and how he teaches. The people were amazed at his teaching. And he's here he is confronting the religious ones who opposed him. Even their testimony gives praise to God. Why? They knew what he was saying. And they started picking up stones. And they wanted to stone him and execute him on the spot. Why? He was claiming to be God. He's the perfect gift on display. Each step of the way in his earthly ministry, Jesus maintained a spotless, blameless testimony claiming that he was doing his father's will. My father in John chapter 5, John chapter 5, 17 and 19. My father is working Until now, and I myself am working. And so the Jews kept seeking to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was also calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. How do we really know of this perfectly sinless testimony? I mean, maybe, yeah, hey, you know, maybe he thought something that was not quite right. Do you go for that? I hope not. Because if he did, listen, if he did anything that was sin, anything, he'd still be in the grave. Do you understand that? If he did anything wrong, any thought, any word, any action, if he did something in sin, he'd still be in the grave. Why? He wasn't perfect. Okay, I want to read this little section to you. This is from a book by Dr. Lehman Strauss. And he uh, he considers this situation. Jesus Christ was the only sinless man that ever lived on this earth. But you may ask, how do you know that he was sinless? The scriptures give an account only of what he said and did. How do you know that in his mind and heart was no guile? Is it not more of a conjecture than a proved fact that for 33 years he lived a sinless life when we know of the words and deeds of only about three years of his life? David Strauss leads us to a satisfactory answer to these questions when he said that Jesus Christ possessed a conscience unclouded by the memory of any sins. Spiritually minded men like Isaiah. Think of that. What did Isaiah do? Isaiah confessed, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. David cried out, a man after God's own heart. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. The mighty apostle Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, the saintliest among the redeemed of the Lord, retain the memory of past sins and live in regret and remorse. If we say that we have no sin, what does First John tell us? We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Like Job, we must admit, Behold, I am vile. Do not think for one moment that the higher a man rises in spiritual progress, the more reluctant he is to acknowledge his shortcomings. Contrary-wise, the saint with the deepest spiritual insight, with the largest life, and with the most intimate fellowship with God is the man who falls humbly with his face in the dust. Now, all testimony credits Jesus with being a good man. Yet, He never showed signs of repentance, evidences of regret, nor did He ever give expressions to contrition or remorse. Think of that, folks. And yet, the Bible is full of admonitions and, and exhortations for you and I to confess, to fall before God and, and, and cry out to Him for His mercy. The perfect gift was on display in his earthly life. Now, number three, perfectly given or perfectly offered up as the sacrifice. I've mentioned Isaiah 53 there, John chapter 3, Galatians 3.13 and Hebrews 5. Here is the perfect gift, perfectly offered up as a sacrifice for sin-bearing purposes. Now, John chapter 3, 16 and 17 is what we want to encourage all of us to memorize, right? But right before that, in John 3, 14, is the illustration, is the foreshadowing of Christ on the cross. What was it? As Moses, what? Lifted up that serpent in the wilderness. So, now here's the connection. So, Christ is raised up on the cross. What were they to do? In the Old Testament times, they were they were rebelling against God. The people of Israel were rebelling against God. And so this, uh, the Lord sent snakes. Judgment. We're going to deal with this. Judgment. On his own people. Snakes bit the people. People what? They died. They didn't just have to run to the hospital and get the whatever, the remedy. No, they died. And the people that were bitten were told right away. Here it is. Look at that snake. Look at that snake up there. And what happened? They were healed. My friend, when you understand your sin, you have to look to the cross. You have to look to Jesus who died on the cross. He gave Himself for the sins of the world. He gave Himself to redeem us and bring us into adoption as sons. Bring us into His family. Okay? Galatians 3, 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Did He get forced into going to the cross? The Romans didn't force Him. The Jews, you know, they wanted to kill Him all along. The religious Jews, right? They wanted to kill him. But he gave himself up as a sacrifice. What does the Lamb of God do? The Lamb of God is brought to the altar and slain. And that had to happen time and time and time and time again in the Old Testament. Time after time after time. And now, no more sacrifices. Why? Christ did it once and for all once and for all it was that good why that's perfect <laughs> okay so uh, there's other verses that add up to this idea that he was perfectly given he per, he offered himself up as the perfect sacrifice that's what we remind ourselves of it each month with communion you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold You were redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ, unblemished, spotless. That's what he's saying is he was perfect. Hey, well, if we stop and let this sink in, how did he die? It wasn't because of the Jews. It wasn't because of the Romans. It wasn't because of the cross. It was because of what? Our sin. Your sin. He died bearing your sin. No one could have done that but God in the flesh. No one could have done that. Not all the prophets put together. Not all the Catholic popes put together. Not all the pastors of Protestants churches put together. None. Only one. Jesus. Okay? Okay. Perfect in His offering. Number four. The next one. The next facet about this is is it's perfectly astonishing. It's perfectly astonishing. What? Three days later, He's alive! Do you know if we were there at Calvary... You could not even recognize who he was. Do you understand that? You couldn't recognize him. He was beaten that bad. And then, oh, by the way, here comes the Roman soldier. Hey, we gotta get going, you know, and um here, I'll check. Boom! Right up in the side, speared him in the side. Yep, he's dead. We don't need to break his legs. Okay? Everyone around sees he is dead. This is a man who died. And some uh, in the religious circles back in the day figured, oh, he was just like a ghost, uh, an imagery or something or uh, whatever. That he became the Son of God once he rose from the grave. No, he was the Son of God. God from heaven said, this is my beloved Son at His baptism at the Mount of Transfiguration. And this is what is, is so cool. What else could describe the miracle of that great getting up morning? What else could describe it other than astonishing, amazing, miraculous? He's alive! That's what we don't say at Christmas time. We say, oh, there's a little baby. in that neat? We're all so warm and fuzzy inside about the little baby. The baby came to what? Die. As a man. And he went through it so that he might redeem many. Are you redeemed? Are you saved? Are you rescued from your own self and your own sin? Are you? Are you rescued from your own pride? And not that that's, you know, like, okay, I say I'm saved. Well, I still got, I still got problems. Believe me. I'm still weak. I still fall. I still stumble in sin. I need Him today. I need Him every day, all the time. Not just at Christmas. Not just at Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Okay? But this is, this is amazing, folks. He went through excruciating pain. And then everyone saw him die that was there. He's dead. But three days later, they're running from the tomb saying, He's alive! And they're sharing that word. So 1 Corinthians 15. It's mentioned on, on the top of your outline there, number 4. 1 Corinthians 15. The, the shares, here, Paul says, here's the gospel that he died, he was buried, he was raised from the dead, according to the scriptures. And there are many witnesses. Why do we let that slide by so much? Here's at that point in time, listen. If someone didn't see his resurrection, they could go back in that day. They could go and talk to somebody that was. That's why he's saying this. They can give testimony to the fact that I saw him dead, and I saw him alive. This is life-changing, yes, yeah, it needs to be life-changing. If you've put your faith in the risen one, in the victorious one, it ought to mean something and cause there to be a whole different change of life. I'm no longer following my way or your way, I'm going to follow the king. The one who's risen from the grave. And by the way, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 15. He says that the resurrection is what all of our faith hinges on. Everything hinges on the resurrection. And if, he says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our faith is worthless. Worthless. Okay? Okay. And we are of all men most to be pitied. But now, Christ has been raised. Okay, praise the Lord! <laughs> he is alive. He has risen. So, uh, th- this is the this is the place that I stand. Jesus is risen. The religious authorities tried to cover it up. They tried to pay the people. The, they tried to pay the Roman soldiers. Hey, don't tell anyone. And he proved himself by showing himself to not just the twelve disciples, but what does Paul say? Five hundred other people saw him. Five hundred. Now, think of what we go through today in this world. Think of this. Um, something happens, and there's a camera, you know, you know, and everyone's got to have a witness. And here's what's happened. And this person saw me do this, and I didn't do anything. You know, I've got these witnesses. This thing of being a witness is a big thing. That's my point. John the Baptist, okay? Big witness. The disciples, not just coming together and putting their plan together, no, but here's 500 people as witnesses to his resurrection. If you're a believer, if you're a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, you're a witness. Aren't you? Are you a witness to his being alive? Why? Because He's active doing things in your life. Helping you to turn from sin to His holy way. As for God, thank you. As for God, His way is perfect. In all these areas, in all this, this is why Christmas is so wonderful. Here's the perfect gift. I remember... Back when I was a little guy in Minnesota with the family, it was family picture time. Everyone gets that, right? And I remember mom knitting sweaters for us to wear. You know? My brother and I had matching sweaters. It was not cool. And we had to wear them to the Christmas family pictures. You guys got to wear cowboy stuff. That was cool. But me and my brother were in these sweaters. I wish I had one now that fit me. Because <laughs> the one back then didn't, wouldn't fit me, but I wish I had one that, had her, um, that fit me now. We just celebrated my mom's uh, passing. It was her birthday last week, and she's with the Lord. And it's those kind of things, those kind of gifts that you first you regret it or you think, oh, that's not cool. But kind of wish I had one of those sweaters now. Okay. Here's what I want to get at, my friend. A perfect gift has been given to you. And don't put it off. Receive it point number 5 point number 5 is that this gift <laughs> <woo-hoo>. <laughs> we won't identify them but anyway let's finish up with point number 5 in the outline it's perfectly secured and suited for you let me say it again the gift is perfectly secured and suited for you. Secured means what? How do you get it? How do you get this gift? Many religions just say, let's work up the ladder of success and we'll be fine. We'll, we'll be there. But no, you cannot buy this gift. You cannot earn the gift. There's no way you can do it because you're not righteous enough. Got it? Jesus is and therefore we put to secure this gift, we put faith in Him. It's that simple? Yes. But we, we use the word simple, but it's really not simple because there's all sorts of stuff that happen in life. But you keep coming back to a walk in a life of faith, you're doing well. Faith in Jesus, you're doing well. You keep coming back to this, what secured my salvation? Faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Faith secures the gift. Okay? Romans 1.16 I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God that helps me in knowing that it's God's power that helps break the chains of darkness, the chains of sin, Right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Thank you. You're, you're, you're responding in faith. Now, keep walking by faith in your life. In everything, in every aspect of it. Walk by faith. Trust Him. Okay? That's how we're justified. Having, Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you confess in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and what? Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The gift of God was never intended to be purchased or worked for. Then it would cease to be a gift. It's no longer a gift. You've earned it. Hey, but you can't earn it. It's a gift. God has offered it and He's offered it in a perfect way. There are so many witnesses just found in the Bible and there are witnesses that are sitting around you here. So if you've never secured this perfect gift, you need to say, Lord, I admit my need because I know I'm a sinner. I, I admit to You and I cry out to You and I submit to You now as for that jesus is lord of my life i i i call out for that i cry out for that it's not just a ho-hum kind of thing this is about your sin about a perfect holy god who will judge your sin and you and and then you'll be cast away from his presence forever and ever and ever that's what the that's what jesus says that's not our uh, little makeup thing of it no this is what the lord says And then, Christian friend, the gift, it's a perfect gift and it is suited just for you. It's suited just for you to wear. Not to hang up in your closet. Not to put back on the, on the shelf. But it's, it's designed that you wear it. That you apply it. And this is our problem. We have many people that know, but aren't what? Applying. What has He given that we say we put it on? Well, the Bible goes on to enlighten us that it's a robe of what? Righteousness. It's His robe. It's His robe of righteousness. And that's what we stand in, saying, I'm right with God because He's declared me righteous. Justification. I'm declared righteous. And I I get to put on the robe. Some of us like... Uh, um, the golf thing, you know, and uh, the Masters tournament from Georgia. The winner gets to, you know, put on the green jacket. Some of you know about that. It's pretty cool, you know, seeing, you know, these young men put on the green jacket. Guess what? In the in God's family, everyone gets to put on the green jacket, and you get to take it home. I don't think they get to take it home. The robes of righteousness are given by Jesus. Imputed righteousness. Your sin was imputed to Him on the cross. His righteousness is imputed to you. Now, what better Christmas present can we give than to wear what He's given us and live it out In your practice. Think it through in your mind. This is the world view that the world needs. Faith in Jesus Christ. So we implore you. If this is hitting you where you're at. And you realize I am not saved. If I were to die right now. I know that I wouldn't be in heaven. If you know that. You need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You need to admit your need and submit to Him as Lord and Savior. Call upon Him. Have faith that He's going to do what He says. Is there any question, Christian, that He'll not do what He said? We believe He came the first time. We believe and know that He's coming again the bible tells me so if you've not yet received this perfect gift what will you do i'm going to stay up front right here and if you need to come and ask questions or make profession of faith in jesus christ please come forward don't delay don't let pride get in the way. It's not like, uh, it, does it really matter if people are looking? When you make a faith decision? Does it really matter? See, all sorts of stuff gets in our way. Oh, I don't want people to think this about me. Hey, we already know we're all sinners. We all need His grace. If you know that this is your need. See, this is the deepest, greatest need of your life. It's not to get a better uh, salary. It's not anything else. It's only one thing. That you get right with God. Are you right with God? He's given the perfect gift. And Christian, would you please keep dwelling on and meditating on the perfection of Jesus? Lift Him up. And again, if, if, you are, if you know in your heart and your mind you're without faith in Jesus Christ, I'll be up front here and I want to pray with you and lead you to the Savior. There's other people right around you that would love to do that too. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this incredible gift this amazing gift, this astonishing gift. Lord, we confess that there's many times where where we let the things of this world get magnified in our minds as being something greater and something that we'll find great pleasure in. Lord, we know that Jesus is the great treasure. Help us to go give everything over so that we might know the greatest treasure and the perfect gift. The gift from heaven. Lord, do Your good work here in our lives. Thank You that You are working in people's hearts and lives right now. And by Your Spirit, Lord, bring them to saving grace in Jesus Christ. Help us to always be ready to shine for You to thank you, to praise you, and to share the gospel with others. Please help us with that, dear Lord. We thank you for this Christmas season. Help us to go out rejoicing, to be glad and thankful for the greatest and most perfect gift ever. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.